0: go ahead and put this shirt on me does this make me a member of the Saints no it's an outward appearance that reminds me of the Saints and what if I slap a Saints bumper sticker on my car does that make me a member of the New Orleans Saints no I'm a fan of the Saints I celebrate with them when they win when they lose, you get depressed with them. So we celebrate with their victories and defeats. We know the players, right? They, they got people that know that study and they know who's on there and all these things. But that doesn't make me a member, right? We'll even go as far as to say in 2009, we won the Super Bowl. We even want to celebrate in those victories and we claim it as ours. But we are fans. We are not members. See, I could be a fan and celebrate. Just because I put on an outer garment that looks like the real thing doesn't mean it is the real thing. Now let me step over to this side. The O's came up. Fate moves mountains, Matthew seventeen twenty. Amen. Now, because I wear this, does that make me a Christian, a true disciple? Because I attend all the meetings like I could attend the games. Does it make me a true disciple? No. Do I celebrate and clap here? Do it, Can I celebrate and clap here? Can I put my Jesus fish on the bumper of my car? You see where I'm going with this? I could be a fan of Jesus, just as I am a fan of the saints, and not be on the saints' team. And I could be a fan and not really be on his team. There's a difference. Outward appearance may not look like it, but it's inside. See, there's a change in life. You, if you're truly when you truly become born again you're from death to life. We have do, done a series a while back awakened from death to life. How many of you know that a dead person and a live person looks two totally different ways? But we have to make sure that we understand that just because the outward appearance doesn't mean... It happened here. Let's begin looking at our notes here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Father I just come to you and as we get ready to study your word today I just pray that you touch our minds that we could comprehend your word today. Give us eyes and ears of the Spirit that we can hear and see the things of the Spirit this morning and most of all prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everyone says, amen. So fan or follower, fan or disciple. Let's look at Matthew 7, verses 21 through 24. This is Jesus speaking. I told you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. We'll get there later. That's just, I don't have that, those, those notes in your thing here. Look what it says. And and again, part of the reason I'm doing this is that we're going through a spiritual battle in our country right now. I want you to understand that. I'll talk about that a little later. Realize the word says we battle not against flesh and blood. And it looks like flesh and blood is battling each other right now. But it's a spiritual thing going on. That we have to be aware of. Now notice notice what it says. This is Jesus speaking. If If you were looking in your Bible, it would be the red letters. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Think of that for a second. Think of it with this. In other words, he's going to talk about two people. There's going to be fans that think they're fans, but they're not belonging to the kingdom. They've never become real disciples. they never become real followers. And it, and it even said he even says, they call me Lord. What does that word Lord mean? It means one uh, uh, that is the head of or in charge they call me lord but they never put me lord in their life you see as we worship and sing those songs sometimes we say it but it's not not real in our life we enjoy and love what it says we're fans of it but it never got in our heart it never became real he says not everyone who calls me lord will enter the kingdom of god but Only, circle only, only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I didn't put things down in there, uh, some of these references, and again I mentioned them. uh, Live a life worthy of the calling you had, do you know it was a very heavy price that God paid for you? He wants you to be more, of, more than a fan. He wants you to be a follower and a disciple of His. Ephesians 2.10, we always use, for we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Doing the will of the Father. Every single person in here, God has a plan for your life to fill out. And you know, it's not just Jeremiah 29 and 11, what everybody loves to to quote, oh, to give me a hope and prosper me and all these things. God did not save you just for you to prosper and be happy and healthy in this life. I believe God wants prosperity for you, but prosperity should not be your God or goal for serving God. See, God blesses people through you. And if you're not blessed, how can you bless someone else? He says, not everyone who, who claims that they're, they're a disciple will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who does the will of my Father in heaven. And, and verse 22 is very scary. He says, many, circle that, many, Not a few. He says, many will say to me on that day when they stand before him. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? In verse 23, Jesus tells them this, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Many will be told that on that day because they were fans and not true followers. Now there's two type things going on here. Again, some of those that think religion saves you, it's only a relationship through Jesus Christ. Some of those that think that your works save you, no, you're only saved through Jesus Christ. But you are not saved for no reason. When you are truly saved, when God's Spirit comes live inside you, we've been sharing it the last few weeks, it says that God's Spirit works in you to make you will and act according to God's purpose. So who is God in your life? That's that's what it's kind of talking about here. Again. Let's go on. I don't want to get hung up too long here. He says, many will say to me on that day, did not we uh, uh, prophesy in your name and all these things? And again, that's religious acts. And he says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, evildoers. And then he goes on to say again, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Puts them in the practice, things we have to do. And again, I want you to understand, God's Word uh, through the Old Testament and New Testament are timeless principles that never change. And we're going to be using Old Testament and New Testament here this morning, but it's timeless principles that never change. So we see, and I want you to understand that James even said, faith without works is dead faith. Those who call me Lord, Lord. Saying, oh, I got faith. But he says, only those who do the will of my Father will enter heaven. There's a difference between being a fan and a follower, a disciple. And again, there's the other, the other side of it. Those who do did many things for them is those that believe that their works saves them. Their deeds save them, which are wrong. Only faith through Jesus Christ saves you. But you were saved for works. You were saved for service. You are not saved by works or service, but you are saved for. It's a package deal. James 1:22 says this do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And how many times fans will clap and applaud, oh, oh, that was such a good word, but they never put it in their life. Now, what I want to share with you, Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. This is from the message paraphrase. Again what it begins to re- represent and what i'm talking about here today i don't care if you're a democrat or a republican or independent whatever you are we are in a spiritual battle you want me to tell you what was going on this week it was it was a battle for life that's all it was whether you're democrat whether you're republican there was a spiritual battle for life going on the enemy that wants to make Kill babies before they're born. And that's what the fight was all about. The beliefs of that you should be able, that a mother should have the right to take a life. Somebody wrote down that I do that on, on, on the Facebook today. He said, they, when they want to know, I grab my ear. I'm just realizing I must. <laughs> Let me tell you. Life is God's, and it's not yours to take. And you can use any excuse you want, and I don't know why I'm going here, but I I just want to be obedient to the Lord, and I I try to stay out of politics because this is how I say. On the Republican side, they got a bunch of knuckleheads, some good people. On the Democratic side, they got a bunch of knuckleheads and some good people. On the Democratic side, they got some people that live in immorality. On the Republican side, there's people that live in immorality. I don't base my, my support on that or that. It's on the Word of God. Now, I want you to understand life and abortion. Jesus came to give us life. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? And some people say, well, the baby would not, a, would not survive on its own. God knew that. That's why he designed the woman's body to be the life support system of that baby that's growing. So it would have life. Let me tell you, it, we could take you right now and I could get the instruments they used to do abortions and I could stick it inside you and start sucking your guts out and you're not going to survive right now. Nothing's going to survive that. The battle was about life. The enemy wants, and let me tell you something, if that continues, the Pat, if you've ever heard of euthanasia, that's what some people are going to. Some people are trying to push that once a person gets old enough that you are no longer can contribute to society, that you cost society more than you bring to it, you should be put to death. It didn't happen yet, but it's getting that way that's what the enemy wants it's those type things and that's what we need to realize that's what that battle was was the enemy wants the right to still kill, kill babies and it's a world belief system and that's why I actually put this verse in here and what it's talking about here is, is in the end times before Jesus comes back to set up his millennial reign is the, the way the world is going to work and believe The way the world's going to work and believe, the governmental systems of all nations will become evil. It'll become lustful and serving of self and not looking out for people. Look what it says here. One of the seven angels who carried out the seven bowls came and invited me. He says, come, I will show you the judgment of of the great whore who sits enthroned on many waters. And the many waters represents the many people of the earth the whore with whom the kings of the earth have gone whoring, meaning they've bought into the belief system of what's being taught here. And again, uh, the, NI, uh, the King James Version says, the fornification, which means sex outside of marriage, it means, and it's not about sex outside of marriage, it's about laying in bed with the enemy, laying in breaking spiritual laws. And it says this, he says, the whore uh, with whom the kings of the earth have gone whoring show uh, show you the judgment of the earth's dwellers drunk on her whorish lust and that system that it's talking about is going to be and again the word lust that is one thing we got to understand the difference between lust and love, God is love. God so loved the world, He gave that God was looking out for us and not, it wasn't about Him that He was willing to sacrifice for us. But the word lust just sometimes just gets a sexual thing to it, but it's not. Lust is the opposite of love. Lust is actually, I care more about me than I care about you. I'm worried about what happens to me more than about you. And that's exactly what's happening in this thing. Um, a, a, a young girl gets pregnant, and you know what? I don't, don't want to be inconvenienced, so I'll take this life for my convenience. That's reality. And he says, the, the world's going to buy into this system of lust where it's, it's not caring for others, it's what can it do for me. The Bible even teaches, again, uh, in, in Timothy, I didn't put it in your notes, but it says that in the end times that God's people will leave sound doctrine and find teachers who will say what their itchy ears want to hear. In other words, don't tell me the truth of God. Tell me what I want to hear. Let me make my God. I want to design I want my God like Burger King, I want him my way. See that's why we talked about the other day the spirit of man is truth. When it talked about the Holy Spirit come and live among you, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. It doesn't matter what you believe, truth is truth. again, understanding what lust is, we'll move on quickly here. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 26, Jesus speaking again, says this, then he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if you want to follow me, things have to happen. And he says this, if anyone would come after me, he must do what? Deny himself. How many of you know that's in love, that it's not about me. I'm not. I'm not acting in what about me? Well, what about me? Oh, sure, I'll help you if I could get something out of it. I'll do something if I could get something from it. But if I if there's no benefit to me, then forget it. If it costs me something, forget it. And you could see that where Jesus told the parable of of the Good Samaritan. He said the Good Samaritan was the one that it cost him to help him out. Okay, then it says this. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So if you want to be from a fan to a believer to a, a, a follower, he says anyone that would come after me must deny himself. And take up his cross when? Daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever wants to uh, 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 lose his life for me will save it. What good, and he says this, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet, and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory and in the glory of the, of, of the Father and of his holy angels. Now notice what he says. If you're ashamed, if you in other words, he's telling you, if your purpose on earth is not about sharing me with others, if you're embarrassed to share me with others, I'll be embarrassed to you. You never knew me. You're not doing because the will of my Father is for all that all to be saved. Then how will they be saved unless you go out and tell them? Who will enter heaven? Those that say, "Lord, Lord," no. Those who do the will of my Father. Now I want you to see. We got time. I don't want. I'm not rushing through this. I'm sorry. This is too important. Too important. In your Bibles, in, in uh, Genesis chapter three, I want you to see how the enemy works. And he still works the same exact way. Now, it, on your papers, if you wanna, I don't know if it's on the front or back, but you're gonna see um, 1 John two sixteen through 17. And, and let me read that one first. This is in the King James version. 1 John two sixteen is skipping down a little bit, but notice what it says, cause I wanna show you this in, in the uh, Genesis. For all that is in the world, the lust, again, what is lust? It's about gratifying me. It's about me. It's not about nothing else. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust of the world thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, abideth forever. Now let's see what happened in the garden. Okay, thinking of those things in verse uh, chapter three, verses two through seven. The woman said to the serpent, "We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say." you must not eat the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die she knew truth she knew the truth but notice what, how satan comes against her he appeals to her through the lust of, of her flesh her eyes and the pride of life uh, he says you will not surely die for the serpent said for god knows that when you eat of it your what eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good from evil and he begins dealing with her pride there a little how many of you know what happened with Satan in heaven He was God's most beautiful creation word to worship God and one day pride set in his heart and he says I will exalt myself above God I want to be like God got all this praise God gets I want to have too he became prideful and notice this again verse 6 when the woman did what so, how do you see? With your eyes. The lust of the eyes. She's seen it and she desired it. She lusted after it. Because it was no longer about obeying God. It was about what I want. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. The body. Feeding the body. The lust of the flesh. And pleasing to the eye, the lust of the eye, and also for gaining wisdom, in other words, becoming like God, like Satan wanted to do, the pride of life. We see the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's all about building you up and making you God in your life and taking God off his throne. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so many times in this culture, we just think of little Buddha dolls and all these other things that were going on. No, you know who's the number one God in people's life? Themselves. Where am I? What verse are we on? Verse 6. Let me read it again. When the woman saw that uh, the fruit of the tree was good for and pleasing for the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, and then both of their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. So the, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. <coughs> Again, watch, watch what happens. Eve says, "Here, Adam, take it." God. At that moment became second to Adam and Adam put his wife up. He says, I will no longer listen to God, I will listen to you. God needs to be first in everybody's life and we're gonna read a scripture after a while. That says, if, if Jesus says, if you don't hate your mother, your father, and these things, you cannot f- serve me. And what he was talking about, again, we'll, we'll explain in a little bit about It's not a, that you can't stand people. In other words, it's getting out of line, that God is no longer first. If you put your mother, your father, your sons, your daughters before God, you're out of line. God, when God created man, he created Adam first and he established a relationship with Adam and said, Adam, this is the most important relationship you can ever have in your life, and never get it mixed up. He says, Only now that I have an established relationship with you can you have a relationship with someone else and he created Eve. But it was God, he put man in charge over a woman. In the garden, Adam, Adam, t- Adam t- told Eve all these things, and you know, we're not supposed to eat all these things. And guess what? When Eve came back, he says, You know what? I'm going to listen to you instead of listening to God. That's what it's talking about. That's why he said, if, if you put family first and take God off the throne and put them up there, that's where you fall. It's not that he act- Jesus would never teach against God's word. The Ten Commandments say, honor thy mother and father. Jesus would not teach against them. That's not what he was talking about. And again, I, I may skip over that because I'm talking about it now. But when he was, Jesus was making this comment to them, he was on his way to be, uh, tra- to be betrayed and headed to the cross. And he was telling them, you think you are followers of mine right now, but you're more fans than followers. He says, because when they arrest me and they come, y'all are all leaving me. You're putting yourself first because you don't want to go through what I'm about to go through. And you're going to abandon me. Peter, you're even going to deny that you know me three times. You know what's happening is Peter's putting himself on the throne. Good preaching right there. I, I like that. So look look at uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 26 through 7 again. This is the scripture I was just talking about. Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife, his children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. What did he say earlier? Take up your cross and follow me. Meaning putting your selfish lust and desires for this world, down and put God first. Take yourself off the throne and realize that God should be on the throne in your life. And he says, verse 27, and anyone who does not do what? Carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You're a fan and not a follower. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. It is it, always truth. It does not And he says, And you shall, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusted against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. There's the battle inside of you, and you have to choose who you're going to follow. And these are contrary to one another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You can't serve yourself and serve God. You're either serving God or serving yourself. <coughs> James one fourteen says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. The devil doesn't tempt you and God doesn't tempt you it's inside of you that gets tempted and I was trying to think of a way to explain this to you and the, the word even says God does not tempt you right and Satan I don't I wouldn't say tempts you he just exposes what's already in you he didn't make Eve do it he didn't make Adam do it he knew they would if it was brought if it was already inside of him it would surface. For those of you that don't know, I cannot stand peanut butter. I will not eat peanut butter. If peanut butter is the last food staple on earth, I'm going to say goodbye right now. <laughs> because I'm not, I'm not going to make it. So it would be foolish for someone to whisper in my ear, "Ooh, creamy peanut butter. You want some creamy peanut butter? Guess what? You could, you could dress it up all the way you want. It will never entice me because my desire for it is not in me. See, the only time you become enticed and desire is when it's already in you. It is something you desire. And it may, it may be something that God doesn't want you to have. It's, that's why it says that you're enticed by your own desire. You're given to temptation by what's inside of you. Right? If you don't like peanut butter, you're never going to be tempted by peanut butter, no matter how how pretty the peanut butter and jelly sandwich looks. You'll only be tempted by what you desire. Now, a good bowl of caramel ice cream and ooh, you don't have to whisper nothing. <laughs> I'm drawn to it and I want it. The lust of the flesh wants that thing, and I tell you what, it's it's about me because. You know, one time I was eating some of that ice cream and Suzanne said, You're going to eat that whole thing? I said, I was planning on it, unless you greedily want some. <laughs> right? The loss that we want it all for us. It's only a half gallon now. I'm not supposed to share that, right? <clears throat> So let's move on from there. Uh, Again, I mentioned to you earlier, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. All those things will pass away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God Abide it forever. We'll live forever. And notice what Jesus says when he he calls his disciples, followers. When he's trying to change them from being fans to followers. He says, come, follow me. And then he says, I will make you fishers of men. I will. The reason you are coming to follow me is to share the love of my Father with this lost and dying world. That is the will of the Father that none should perish that everyone should come to repentance. But if no one tells them, that's the heart of the Father for those to be saved. And God has re- said that he has sent men, women, you, everybody here is their job to share that love. And he says, if you're ashamed to share that love, he says, I'll be ashamed of you. Don't tell me you love me and how much you worship me, but you can't talk to anybody about me because you're too ashamed. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will, and I like how he says this, I will make you fishers of men. He says you're not right now. And I understand when you get saved, there's a transition, a growing period. That's why it says to continue to work out your salvation as God works inside you to change you and uh, uh, change your will in your life. Jesus says it's not going to be by your own. He says I'm going to work with you. I will make you into a fisher of men. But you have to be a follower and not a fan. You have to be willing to submit everything and put my father on the throne and take yourself off the throne because it's not about you this gospel is not about prosperity that so you can live happily ever after on your little yacht it's about the father does god want you to be blessed yes he does did he save you so you could be blessed no he saved you so you could share the gospel with others he uses blessings so that it as a tool that you could use to witness to others timeless principles. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 through 15 says this, talking about trying to take people from being fans to followers. He says, if my people who are called by my name, and he's saying, I got some fans and I got some followers. You you got the jerseys on, you got the shirts on, you you got the Jesus fish on the back. He says, but if my people who are called by my name, they call themselves Christians, Will do, now notice again, dealing with the lust of the flesh, eyes, and and, uh, pride of life. Will do what? Humble themselves. Deal with your pride. It's not about you. It's not about you. And then he says, and will pray and seek my face. Again, praying to God is asking and surrendering to God and asking for his help because you know unless he shows up, it's not enough. As we were singing this morning. Unless God shows up, it's not enough. Quit trying to do it on your own. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Then, and they will seek my face. Then notice what it says. And do what? Turn from. That is repentant. Turn from their wicked ways. He says, in other words, you cannot keep living the way you're living. You become born. If you want to be my follower and not a fan, it's going to take a life change. And notice this, when you pray and seek my face and don't leave out turn from your wicked ways, he says, once you do those three, once you turn from your wicked ways, once you seek me, once you pray, he says, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Notice what he goes on to say. He says, after this, he says, now, once you've repented, once you've uh, humbled yourself, once you've prayed and seek my face and turned from your wicked ways, he says, now my ears will be open. Now my ears will be attentive and to the prayers offered in this place. In other words, he's saying, when you're not doing this, my ears are closed to your prayers. You know, sometimes people pray, oh, almost praying God can you bless this sin in my life no you have to turn from your wicked ways and that's where God says again God's word is timeless principles from Old Testament to New Testament now when my eyes will be open and ears attentive to the prayers in this place Joshua 24, 14 through 27 says this. We'll go through this real quick. Joshua's telling them, it comes to a point in place. He says, listen, guys, we have some fans and we have some followers. I got a group of fans and some followers out here. But he says, I'm telling you today, we need to become followers. We need to become disciples more than followers. And notice what he says now fear the lord and serve him with all faithfulness and no, notice what he tells them and, and this is important <coughs> excuse me i'll explain this to you in a minute here and he tells them throw away the gods of your forefathers that your forefathers worship beyond the river and in egypt and serve the lord in other words again Now, fear the Lord and serve him. He's talking to the Israelites there, and he's telling them, some of you have false gods. And again, don't go to little idols built on these things. I want you to realize that a false god is a god that I make to fit in my box with the things I agree with. You hear me? Too many people say, oh, I love God. I don't like this, though. This scripture I don't quite agree with, and I don't believe God would do something like that. Believe it or not, God is God and truth is truth. And you, you, when you, the, the first thing you take away from God because you don't agree with it is the same thing with Adam and Eve. All of a sudden they thought to themselves, well, I don't agree what God said about that I would die. I don't think that's real. I don't think that's the God I serve. Well, guess what? After the first bite, they found out it was the God they served. And what they thought did not matter because the truth was the truth. And he says, but, but, and, Verse 15, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, if you're not willing to count the costs, if you're not willing to do what the Lord requires of you, where he says, live a life worthy of the calling you have, he says, if you're not willing to do that, then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers beyond the river, uh, beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, or those in the lands whom you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He says, you, you, you choose today what God you're serving. I'm serving the one and only true God. And notice what they say. This was fans now saying this. Then the people answered, Far be it for us to forsake the Lord and to serve other gods. Well, that sounds good. It was the Lord, our God himself. And oh, they start testifying. God himself who brought us out, us and our fathers up out of Egypt and from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us (coughs) on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And (laughs) they, but Joshua knew their hearts and what I want you to understand is he realized none of them started bringing forth the false gods to destroy they were still going to live the way they were living except they were going to say oh why wouldn't we serve God because notice what what Joshua goes back to tell them verse 19 He begins to tell them this. He says, Joshua said to the people after they just proclaimed this, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins because you are still up on the throne. You have another God up on the throne, and he needs to be there. You could talk, but talk is cheap. We could sing that, that song up there, put, put a love in us for others. But if it's not active in our life, talk is cheap. We can applaud after it. That's what fans do. Fans get excited. But on the team, there's discipline. Do you know the word discipline actually comes out of the word disciple? It means to instruct and correct in ways. Verse 20, he says, If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end to you after he has been good to you. Now here's where to begin the change. Notice this, he says, But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. And this is their transition from being fans to followers. Then Joshua said to them, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. And they said, yes, we are witnesses, they replied. They realized there's accountability. We stand accountable now. And he says this, now then, notice how he goes back to what he told them earlier about the gods. Now then, Throw away the foreign gods. Don't say you're going to praise God and God's first in your life when he's not. He says, now then, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. And do what? Yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Give your heart to him. Yield your heart to him. Put him back on the throne and take yourself off. Verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord God, and do notice what serving him means, and obey him. We're going to turn from our wicked ways. Verse 25 says, on that day, Joshua made a covenant with the people, an agreement with the people. And there at Shechem he drew up for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. And said, see, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all your words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to to the Lord your God. And Back to our first scripture. Lord, Lord. And he says, I never knew you. Because you never changed. You never allowed me to move in your life. You never took yourself off the throne. It's always been about you. And not about me. It has to be about him and his will. Only those who do the will of my Father. And we'll close with this scripture. Brother Mark, if uh, they want to go get the kids for communion. Matthew 28, 18 and 20. This is what I, I use this scripture all the time, but notice what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, Therefore, go. Now this is a command. It's not a suggestion. Okay? He says, therefore, go, and this is the will of my Father, make followers, make disciples of all nations. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20 says, and teaching them to obey, teaching them to follow, teaching them to be disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Not some things, everything I have commanded you. And then he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. It never changed. It's still that way today. You see, too many people in this world are fans, but they're not truly committed to God. I could shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can come to all the church meetings, I could have every Christian shirt ever made. This is just an outward appearance. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal savior, if, you, if you've been struggling in life and you know what, I've been more of a fan than a follower. I want you just to say this prayer with me today and I want everyone